Well, hello there, and welcome to episode number three of From the Pastor's Bookshelf, and we're really excited to uh, bring you this third episode, and this one is um, a little bit special, a little bit unique, and very timely, and so we are going to be talking about the concepts behind the book, Coronavirus and Christ, written by John Piper, and this was just released, and uh, Jeremy and I, we both read this book, and so we're really excited to jump into this um, this really timely message, and right before we get started, um, one of the reasons why we wanted to jump into this book is uh, two things that make it really accessible to you. Number one, this book is very short. It's only about 120 small pages. It'll take you about two hours to get through. And number two, even better, this book is free. And so this is free available. John Piper has made this available through uh, his his ministry website, Desiring God. And so we'll have a link to that in the description and we want to give it away to you and we encourage you, encourage you to read it. So Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, why we're going through this, this specific book in this time? Yeah. Um, well, the uh, uh, the thing I like about the book and why I think it's an important uh, thing to look at in this time is whenever there's a time of upheaval, anytime the, the wind and the waves are, metaphorically speaking, rocking us about, mm-hmm. uh, we need to find an anchor point. It's very important that we find an anchor point to find stability. And uh, what this book, uh, in my judgment, does a very good job of is drawing us into our true anchor, which is Christ and his and 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 God's word, specifically the timelessness of God's word. He shows us what God's up to uh, in the midst of all this by just looking at Scripture in a really beautiful yeah. way. Because the reality is, what you see in a time of upheaval is people finding uh, their anchors which may not be scripture, which may not be God. Um, and and this, some of the common anchors that I, I've seen pop up uh, in, in, in uh, folks' lives in the midst of all this is, uh, well, you, you know what it, it is when it's the thing that they're harping on or complaining about in the midst of this, right? So uh, one of the common anchor points is libertarianism. Hmm. So if your uh, mindset, your, your view of how the world ought to work, and certainly politically or governmentally, is uh, libertarianism, which just says, government, stay out of my life and just let me do what I want to do, then um, you're going to be most upset during this time by the measures that have come in that have uh, you know infringed upon our freedom. So that's the thing that we're focusing on. But in doing it, you're crying out and trying to find an anchor point of saying, no, I want that back. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you have a more liberal mindset of saying, well, I just don't want people to be harmed, or at least those people, and so I don't care if other people are being harmed so long as these people are not being harmed. So yeah, bring on the measures. Let's shut this thing down so that vulnerable people won't get sick. And so you kind of focus in on that. Uh, even see uh, people who have a tendency towards a conspiracy theory. Uh, uh, you know, you'll in a time like this, they go right to that. And uh, conspiracy theory is uh, an interesting comfort for people, I think, because there's this idea that there's something lurking behind the curtain, something evil that's behind all of this. And we find comfort in being able to have a sense of, I know that it's there and I know that it's happening. And so you see some of that happening. Uh, Or judgment, the idea of, well, God's bringing his judgment on all the bad people in the country and all the bad people in the world. And there's a weird comfort in that if you if you look at judgment in those terms by saying, I'm not one of those, yeah. right? And so I'm separate. Uh, also, there's the anchor point of what I would just call bad theology, mm. right? A misplaced misunderstanding, a misunderstanding of who God is and how he works in our world. And um, and there's all coming, I mean, the list is long on that, but one, one thought on that is um, 
uh, these different bad theology usually is formed not just by a misreading of scripture, but by overlaying scripture with our uh, cultural narratives. So, for example, in our area, individualism is a huge uh, uh, cultural narrative that just has a huge sway on how we think and how we perceive reality. And I think you see that popping up a lot in uh, our day in the midst of all this, because people will be um, thinking, you know what, I'm not really bothered by coronavirus. I'm not worried about coronavirus. I'm not sick. No one I know is sick. And so, you know what, just this is all ridiculous. Just leave me alone and uh, let me do my thing. But that's not loving our neighbor. (laughs) What we're doing, that's bad theology. That's individualism. And so, but what you see is when people are going to those places, uh, and it's not that there may not be something valid in each of those ideas. I'm not saying that it's all invalid. I'm saying we're going to those for an anchor point. Yeah. And we're ignoring God's word. And that is a very untenable uh, way to make, make it through something like this. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, um, that I really loved about the book and specifically how Piper approached the book. And so he didn't take the approach of, um, just sort of his stab at subjective answers about what's going on, right? He wasn't saying, well, this is what the government's doing, or this is what Wuhan is doing, or this is what's going on. And he just said, he just said, let's go to God's word. Let's look at the timeless truths that we know, timeless truths about suffering, even timeless truths about uh, natural disasters, and really drawing that out of God's word and letting God's word um, speak to us in a way that is specific to what's going on in coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is, this is the the quote that he has uh, right on the back of the book, that sort of uh, sums up his approach. He says, this is a time when the fragile form of this world is felt. The seemingly solid foundations are shaking. The question we should be asking is, do we have a rock under our feet, a rock that cannot be shaken ever? Yeah. And that's, that's he, he tries to bring us to the rock, the rock of God's word, the, the rock of Christ, the rock of um, the truth of who he is. And there are so many things, even, even if it's not by coronavirus, there are so many things that are so different right now, so many things that um, are shaking. I think we're feeling sure. the fragility, um, even if we're not feeling the fragility of our own health and uh, mortality, which we should be reflecting on those things, but even the fragility of our rights, Mm -hmm. uh, the fragility of freedom of movement. You know, if you had told me a year ago that we would be in this place, unable to go to certain places, unable to do work in certain, at least the way that we used to, unable to gather as the church, I would have called you crazy. And so, so much of the things that we're used to, even basic human interaction has been changed or in some cases taken away Mm -hmm. uh, by this and by um, the response to this. And so, you know, which anchor are we going? to? Are we just sort of pushing against that going, I'm going to try to get these things back? Or are we going to a rock that's way more solid than Mm -hmm. the sinking sand of uh, all those false anchor points that you mentioned? Yeah, because I think while there might be, there's something to talk about in all those areas. Yeah, There's something to be said, something uh, uh, meaningful that's to be said in all of that, those different things, but potentially. Um, But one of the things that all those things really lack is hope, certainly a transcendent hope. Because all of those other things that we've identified and we could identify more are only, or they only, they only give us hope if we get a handle on those things. You know, if I get my rights back then, or if I have hope that I get my rights back, then I have hope if that's where I'm, that's my anchor point. Um, if, uh, if, if, you know, but in Christ, there is a hope in, in God's word, there's a hope that transcends anything that's going on. 
and it just washes over us like a, a so in a refreshing way. Piper says this about hope and the importance of hope in the book. He says the object of hope is future. So it's our, our hope is in what God, who God is, and where He's taking us ultimately. But the experience of hope is present, and that present experience is powerful. He says hope is power, present power. Hope keeps people from killing themselves now. It helps people get out of bed and go to work now. It gives meaning to daily life, even lockdown, quarantine, stay-at-home life now. It liberates from the selfishness of fear and greed now, hope empowers. And so when we look to God's Word in the way that this book draws us into, it gives us a, a hope and power to endure through this, in a way that is just, again, transcends any other anchor point that we would look to. And I think it's super important that we all do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I think that the, um, I think that oftentimes one of the approaches that we take is we try to sort of shut our minds off to what's really going on, right? Or our minds are just overactive and filled with fear. Yeah. And so I love that Piper, he, he strikes a balance of saying, no, we're not afraid. We're not living in fear. We're not being dominated by fear. But at the same time, we're not just shutting ourselves off to all emotion. We're yeah. letting God speak to us in this. And I, th- I think that's one of the big questions of the book is what is God saying during this yeah. time, right? Yeah. What are, yeah, what are answers that the Bible Bible has for us during this time. And we, we want to stay away from the approach of saying that we have all the answers, right? And I think that that's often what a lot of people yeah, do. They're searching yeah. for answers, but the places that they're searching for answers are not so much in scripture. They might start from scripture, but it's from the government, it's from the CDC, it's from uh, theories online, it's from Facebook or social sure. media or rants from other people or whatever. Yeah. And so not only are those, are those um, sort of terrible places to uh, anchor our souls and to anchor ourselves, but they're really not good places to find answers either mm-hmm. because, you know, the grass withers and the flower falls. You yeah. know, my opinion is worth nothing. And Piper goes to lengths to say that. He yeah, says his yeah. opinion is worthless. Yeah. His opinion of what's going on with coronavirus is worthless. But what he can do is show what God's opinion is because yeah. that is the scripture that can't be broken. Yeah. And that's the hope that he provides in this book uh, is... Good. He gives us hope. It, it exalts Christ, and it, it shows us the hope we have in Christ. Hope that, uh, you know, our hope is not just anchored in the idea of God. Hope is anchored in God Himself and His Word revealed to us. That gives us something that's tangible, something we can hold on to. Uh, the, these truths about who God is. Uh, one, one of the things He mentions is how um, we look to God and we trust in His holiness. We trust in His righteousness. We trust in His goodness, and we see Scripture that shows us. Uh, that the, the reminds us of that and so important uh, mm. in the midst of all this. Because otherwise, if we lose sight of all that and we're just looking at all the other uh, data out there, we will get so we'll be succumbed by the waves. And not just individually, because I'm, I'm certainly concerned about that, but also as we're called to be the church that gives hope, yeah. man, if all we're giving is rants about what's wrong with this situation, we're not giving people hope. Mm. But if we turn them... Uh, and, and we show people, and if we experience what God and, and trust in what God is doing for us, and that we're uh, in the midst of our heart, we can also give that away. So important that if we're going to be the radiant church we're called to be, that we're able to do that. 
Good. So. Well, let's. Um, so, what would be one of these these first anchor points that we we can really uh, gravitate toward? What's something about the character of God that we can really um, anchor ourselves to during yeah. this time? Well, one of the things he talks at length uh, uh, is on his sovereignty. We trust in God's sovereignty, and what his so- what what is God's sovereignty? Sovereignty simply means that uh, God. His sovereignty means he can, this is what Piper says in the book, that he can do, God can do, and in fact does to, all that he decisively wills to do. Hmm. Right? So God is sovereign. He reigns supreme. Everything that happens, happens under the reign of his uh, sovereignty. Now, sovereignty, uh, God's sovereignty, should be something that is a great comfort to us. And in a lot of places, it is. In a lot of people, it is and should, but in our culture in particular, it often is not. The idea of God's sovereignty, uh, especially in response to what Piper describes in the book as God's bitter providence. Mm-hmm. So yeah. sometimes when, when God is sovereignly working in the world, there's some things that happen that are bitter. Now, it's under the hand of his providence, but it's a bitter providence. And he says, it's not blasphemy to call it a bitter providence. It's, it is what it is. But what that does, especially in our world, in our uh, cultural moment, is that it, we are tempted to try and rescue God from his sovereignty. Yeah. Uh, we, and we do this in an attempt to rewrite God to fit within our cultural narrative. But what I love that Piper talks about in this book is he says, we do that to our detriment. Yeah. If, we, if we remove... If we try to rescue God from his sovereignty, it ends up, uh, we we end up losing, well, let me read what he says. (laughs) He says, um, knowing that uh, uh, the secret, he says, is knowing that the same sovereignty that could stop the coronavirus yet doesn't is the very sovereignty that sustains the soul in it. In other words, if we try to rescue God from his sovereignty over suffering, we sacrifice his sovereignty to turn all things for good. Yeah. That's a powerful thought and very yeah. helpful, I think, in this moments of suffering like this, is that if we say, well, if we, if, if, if we try to say, well, God wants to stop the coronavirus, but he, he can't. Yeah. We try to rescue him from the cultural mindset that would say, well, oh, a good God would never allow this to happen. But in doing so, we remove his power to act here, and we also remove, in that sense, his power to help us through it and to give us endurance through it. Yeah. So that's one of the things he talks about. Yeah, one of the um, common objections to Christianity is the whole idea that if God is sovereign, why would he allow evil? If God is good, why would he allow suffering to exist? And um, I think that one of the answers to that is Romans 8.28, the fact that because he is sovereign, he takes all things and works them together for the good of those who love him. And so, for especially for the Christian, all experience is good, bad, ugly, no matter what. And God is going to weave those together in a beautiful tapestry. And we can only see such a, such a, such just a barely a glimpse of that, right? There are even uh, Piper, he mentions that we can point to some things that God is doing, but there are, you know, 10 purposes in this for every individual on earth. And there's 7 billion people, right? There are billions and billions of purposes that God has had, has in this. And so we're only seeing the back of the tapestry, but when we see him face to face, when we are with him in eternity, he's going to flip that tapestry around to some degree and we're going to see the just the beautiful work that he's done, weaving together all our experiences, 
choices, all our genetic dispositions, uh, everything that he has created us to be, he is using that to make something beautiful, right? And Ephesians 2.10 says that uh, we are God's poema, we're God's poem, his masterpiece, and he's He's weaving all of these things together to make something beautiful. And so I think that that is, um, that's what we have to rest in, right? If, if, if God is not sovereign in appointing the worm to eat the plant, if he's not sovereign in appointing uh, even the plagues on Egypt, then he's also not sovereign to do that. He's not sovereign together, uh, sovereign enough to weave everything of our lives together to make something beautiful. Yeah, not powerful enough. Yeah. yeah. The idea that uh, he, he works in all of it, all of it. There's a yeah. kind of comfort that comes from that, but we have to get past uh, some uh, hangups to be able to really receive that. Mm-hmm. I like what um, uh, it says in Genesis when uh, after everything that happened with Joseph, right? He says, "What you meant for evil," when, it, when his brothers had acted really badly mm. towards him, <laughs> just yeah. to put it lightly. At the end of it all, he says, "What you meant for evil, God meant for good." And Piper mentions in the book, he doesn't say he didn't say what you meant for evil, God turned to good. Yeah, what you meant for evil, you did it with evil intent, and it was evil. It was bad. God allowed that sovereignly, with good intent. Yeah, and um, we have to, we need that. Otherwise, we're going to be very anxious. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, Piper says that I thought was excellent in uh, hitting this point is he says the very sovereignty that rules in sickness is the sovereignty that sustains and loss. The very sovereignty that makes or that takes life is the sovereignty that conquered death and brings believers home to heaven and Christ. It is not sweet to think that Satan, sickness, sabotage, fate, or chance has the last say in my life. That is not good news. That God reigns is good news. Mm. Because we trust that God is sovereign and in his sovereignty, he is good, he is righteous, he is holy. And when we can rest in that, um, we can face moments like this in a way that is, again, it, it causes us to, it brings us out of the mire and up into a completely different realm that helps us handle it. But again, as I said before, helps us to be uh, helpful, truly helpful. Either otherwise, we're just playing the same game as everyone else is without any hope, just using different words. Hmm. But God takes us out of that. His sovereignty, the reality of his sovereignty takes us out of that so we can actually be helpful or at least try to be helpful. Yeah, that's good. It reminds me of the uh, um, that quote from John Newton that we often use. Yeah. I think Tim Keller uses often as well. It says, mm-hmm. everything is needful that he sends. Yeah. And nothing is needful that he withholds. Yeah. And coronavirus is included in that. It's included well. in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, absolutely Remember true. Piper, he uh, mentioned in um, his interview about this book, he mentioned um, a famous uh, missionary who um, his wife passed away after long, long marriage. Yeah. And he preached at her funeral. And he had three points to his sermon based on um, the the text that says that, that, that God does only good to the righteous. And so his three points to his sermon was um, God was good when he gave her to me. God was good when he let me have her for so long. And God was good even when he took her away. And so the, just the hope, the anchor that he could preach at his own wife's funeral, mm-hmm. but just seeing that hope shine through that um, because of God's sovereign goodness was um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to be able to recognize that God, there's some things that God does that we don't understand. 
Yeah. And uh, there's comfort in we don't understand that the fact that we don't understand. If I could understand everything that God was up to and what he was doing, uh, then he would cease to be a very big God for yeah. sure. So. <laughs> well, I, right. I think it would be good to uh, move into another vein uh, of what with the bo- a big part of what this book is about is what is he doing yeah. in the midst of COVID-19? What is God up to? What he's doing rests in the fact that he is sovereign, good, holy, and righteous. Uh, but what is he up to? What are some yeah. things that he's up to? Yeah, um, I think that yeah one of the um, one of the big questions that um, I've seen a lot that a lot of people have is how does coronavirus relate to the idea of God's judgment? True. Right? If God is sovereign, then obviously He's sovereign over coronavirus. Right? This this fits into His providence, even if it's a, as as Piper says, a bitter providence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how does this relate to God's judgment? And um, both Piper and um, there's there's another author that was really helpful in this uh, by the name of John Lennox. And uh, listen to an interview, and he he writes another book about coronavirus called "Where Is God in a Coronavirus World," and um, that is is available on Amazon as well in paperback form. And I uh, listened to an interview. We both listened to that same interview. Yeah, that, the uh, book hasn't come out yet, though, right? Yeah, not yeah, yet. Yeah. yeah, although it might be out by the time this gets released. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Twentieth, <yeah>. April <laughs> twentieth is okay. when it's supposed to come out, and it's even <laughs> shorter than than <laughs> the John Piper one. Piper's one. Yeah. So, but um, anyways, what uh, John Lennox does, and he's he is um, just some background background on him. He's the um, he's an emeritus professor of mathematics at Oxford University. And so talk about a smart dude. Yeah. And he's sort of well known as uh, an apologist who debates with Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and sort of the, the whole swath of, of what we call the new atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he spends a lot of time just defending God and defending the idea of God um, in an atheist context. And so he looks at this whole idea of um, is this God's judgment? And this is this is what he says. And I think this is really helpful. He says, um, beware of anyone who interprets pain caused by natural evil as necessarily a divine judgment, but equally be aware of anyone who says that God has nothing to say through this pandemic, particularly to Western societies who largely have turned their back on him. And so his point is that we, we can't we can't specifically look at any one instance of suf- somebody suffering from coronavirus, whether it's from the disease itself or loss of job and say that's God's judgment because yeah. of their sin. Right. Yeah, yeah. Unless scripture specifically tells us, obviously, God can do that. He did that with Herod. Right. There were he did that with Pharaoh. There were specific instances yeah. where God revealed to us through his divine word that this act of natural evil was divine judgment. Yeah. But unless we have that, we simply can't make that claim in every individual case. And so, but what or we have to a nation, you yeah, know, even to a nation, a yeah. nation, some God made it clear that it was from a nation uh, at, at times, but we don't know that now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Unless, unless God reveals it to us in yeah. his word, which I don't yeah. think he has about coronavirus. No. Yeah. And so, um, so we can't we can't say that with the same kind of uh, confidence that we can some of these truths about who God is and what God is doing from His yeah. Word. Um, but at the same time, we would be foolish to think that God is not trying to get our attention. We yeah. would be fools to think that God is not trying to Absolutely. say something yeah. to us. And so that's uh, that's what what Lennox points to. Yeah, good. And uh, one of the things that is very tempting for us um, in trying to make sense of all this is we tend to look at what's going on out there. Yeah. We tend to look out, okay, well, what, what's happening out there? What, what is Trump up to? What is Fauci up to? What is the deep yeah. state up to? <laughs> what is China <laughs> yeah. up to? What is governor Inslee up to or whatever, you know, we're trying yeah. to figure out what are they up to? And the focus is on that. 
Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of the news coverage and the social media focus is what are all these things out there up to and what do we understand about that? And that is a comfortable approach because it's all out there, uh, but it's a very fruitless approach. One of the things I like that Piper said is that the coronavirus demands hard reality, not easy imaginings. God mm. and his word are the reality we need, the rock under our feet. It's easy to imagine what people are up to or to suppose or give opinion about what people are up to. But uh, it's it, it's easy to do that, but it's not fruitful. What is needed is to look at the rock of God's word. And one of the things he mentioned, um, both Lennox and uh, Piper mentioned, is Luke 13, where he talks yeah. about... Um, you want to read that passage? Sure, uh, yeah, 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 I got it here. Because that was helpful, giving us an idea of this. There's six chapters that Piper... Uh, takes some time to talk about what he's up to. And there's a theme that I think we can find in this. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating passage is what it says. Um, This is Luke 13, 1. It says, Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Yeah, what I love about that, and this is one of the things that Piper brings out of the book, is they were worried about Pilate or worried about these people that seemingly got randomly smushed by a a wall or a tower. Um, And what Jesus says is, hey, listen, they're dead. They're, 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 don't worry about them. Let's worry about you. Yeah. Let's worry about you. <laughs> it is so much easier to suppose and imagine what's going on out there and what people are up to and what things are up to. But what God wants us to rest in, in the midst of a coronavirus, a coronavirus situation, is what's going on with you. Yeah. So... What I would say, what Piper is saying, what I think God is saying in the midst of this, the theme of all these chapters that he looks at of what God is up to in the midst of this is it's it's about you. How am I responding to this? What is God exposing in my heart in the midst of this? What is this teach me about sin? Uh, what does this teach me about um, uh, you know preparing for the reality of maybe his second coming and all that kind of stuff? Uh, there's... It's about me. It's about me being ready, me being uh, walking out repentance. It's about you. And so to you, the listener, you know, what is God up to in the midst of coronavirus? Well, don't imagine what he's doing out there. What is he saying? What's going on in your heart? Yeah, that's good. I think that one of the one of the uh, themes that flows through a couple chapters in Piper's book, and one thing that Lennox pulls on as well, is the idea that that this is you know this national crisis is a wake up call. Mm-hmm. This is a wake up call. God is trying to get our attention with this, and that's largely what Jesus is doing to them, right? And so it's really interesting that you've got these these this two pairing. You've got one instance of moral evil, right? Pilate killing these worshippers and mixing the blood with their sacrifices. Mm-hmm. This is a totalitarian state that has come in and just killed worshipers because of their faith. And then you've got an instance of random natural evil, just a tower falling, right? And there's no indication that anybody caused it. It just happens. And so what the people are doing are going, see, look, look, that was probably something that they, that they did. And Jesus is turning to them and saying, it's not about them. It's about you. This is a wake up call. And Mm C.S. Lewis, he has a great quote about this. 
Um, He says this, he says, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to ruse a deaf world. And so I think that is what, at least partially what God is doing in the coronavirus. This is his megaphone, both the virus itself and the response to the virus. This is God's megaphone to ruse a death world. Yeah, yeah. And we could spend some time going into all those things that Piper talks about in the book, uh, where, he, where he, what he does specifically with each chapter is he just goes to a passage or a few passages that show us uh, what he's doing in the midst of a situation like this. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> because we want you to read it. We want the people to read it. And again, it's it's free. It's a, a short, easy read, but it will help you. I guarantee it. It will help you uh, because, it's not, again, it's not Piper's thoughts on these things. He's just pointing us to Scripture in a helpful way, and it will be an anchor point for you. So uh, please download it. Give it a read. I know you've got the time. And uh, uh, it'll, right. it will, again, not just bless you, but it'll help you be a blessing. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. We encourage you to pick up Coronavirus in Christ. Christ. And one more thought. Well, the one more thing is I was going to see if you would, uh, one of the, the final chapter oh, yes. is a prayer that uh, Piper uh, wrote out. And I was going to see if you could just read that as a way to close this thing out. Um, yeah. As a, as, a, as a closing prayer that I yeah. think is real fitting. I'd love to do that. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, at our best moments, by your grace, we are not sleeping in Gethsemane. We are awake and listening to your son's prayer. He knows deep down that we must suffer. But in his perfect humanity, he cries out, If it is possible, let this cup pass. And so in the same way, we sense deep down that this pandemic is appointed in your wisdom for good and necessary purposes. We too must suffer. Your son was innocent. We are not. Yet with him in our less than perfect humanity, we too cry out, if it is possible, let this cup pass. Do quickly, O Lord, the painful, just, and merciful work that you have resolved to do. Do not linger in judgment. Do not delay your compassion. Remember the poor, O Lord, according to your mercy. Do not forget the cry of the afflicted. Grant recovery, grant a cure. Deliver us, your poor, helpless creatures, from these sorrows, we pray. But do not waste our misery and grief, O Lord. Purify your people from powerless preoccupation with barren materialism and Christless entertainment. Put our mouths out of taste with the bait of Satan. Cut from us the roots and remnant of pride and hate and unjust ways. Grant us capacities of outrage at our belittling of your glory. Open the eyes of our hearts to see and savor the beauty of Christ. Incline our hearts to your word, your son, and your way. Fill us with compassionate courage and make a name for yourself in the way your people serve. Stretch forth your hand in great awakening for the sake of this perishing world. Let the terrible words of revelation not be spoken over this generation, yet still they did not repent. As you have stricken bodies, strike now the slumbering souls. Forbid that they would remain asleep in the darkness of pride and unbelief. In your great mercy, say to these bones, live! 
and bring the hearts and lives of millions into alignment with the infinite worth of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.